Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. is the Mizzou Sports Podcast, presented by the Columbia Daily Tribune. Hello and welcome to another Mizzou Sports Podcast. My name is Eric Blum, breaking down Mizzou Sports with you every week here on the show. Joining me as always, the regional sports editor for the Columbia Daily Tribune, Kevin Grayler. How are you, sir? Glad to be back on. Let's do it. Before we get dive really into fall camp, anything you want to talk about Mizzou sports-wise, Kevin, before we dive into Kelly Bryant and everything like that? We generally do our plug at the end Mm -hmm. of the podcast, but... uh, Here's here's an open mic. Anything you want to... Let's do an open mic here. Uh, (laughs) The Tribune on Wednesday, August 28th, uh, we'll have a first and 10 special section, uh, which will be kind of a a combo. It'll be a two-way combo. It will have everything you you want to know about Mizzou football leading into the 2019 campaign, uh, as well as all eight of the Boone County High School football programs. Uh, we have a, a page fully devoted to each of those high school teams. Uh, so it's going to be half Mizzou, half high school, uh, all in the same first and 10 special edition, uh, which will be inserted into the Tribune on the 28th. So the lots of hard work. Wednesday before the first game. Wednesday before the first Friday night of high school football and before that, uh, that first Mizzou game, uh, which is going to be that Saturday in Laramie, Wyoming. Yeah, that, that's kind of uh, what I've been working for. That's why some somewhat of the daily stories have kind of stopped because everything I've been using trying to go towards getting some great content into that special section. Uh, I think four Mizzou stories for me, at the very least, if not more gener- more content than that. Definitely a lot of high school stuff from some different people. But yeah, this is obviously a Mizzou podcast, so let's keep it here. Uh, I mean, today was Mizzou's 11th fall practice. We're recording this on August 14th. Uh, The first 11 practices have all been open to the media, as is tomorrow's, the 12th of the first 12 that are all open to the media. And then after that, so it's it's the first 11 that are all open, then three of the following six. So we're kind of here in the apex of it, and... Tomorrow will be our last day, being Thursday, until the following Tuesday that we get to meet with them, which is by far the biggest break we've had and one of the bigger breaks that we're going to have all season, not in a bye week. Um, you know, five days where Mizzou might look, have a little bit more shored up next Tuesday than we've seen before this Thursday. I think that you put the curtain down, media goes away. That's when you really get down to brass tacks here. When they things that even they don't want risk us seeing. Not that we're going to be all that, you know, invasive. You know, no, nothing's ever been said about them bad about the media ever. Nothing, nothing's no, ever nothing can, ever. I nothing ever. Not that I can recall. But even with the most trustworthy, unbiased person watching the program, I'm sure there are things that no one wants to see at this point, and they'll be practicing a little bit of those, maybe shoring up those position battles and really getting a starting lineup down pat. Um, obviously, there are some starters that have had locks for and are never going to be challenged. The Tucker McCanns, the Albertos, the Kelly Bryant, Larry Roundtree, people like that. Now, will, will Tucker McCann be kicker and punter? Do we do we know kind of how that's going to uh, look 
he was still getting first team reps at punter, but which is where the question is as of yesterday. So as of right now, I'd say yes. Certainly um, kicker. There, there's kicker, no doubt about that. Doing the field goals and the kickoffs are 110 percent going to be him. It's the punts that um, is kind of up in the air, and placeholders kind of up in the air at this point too, because I believe that was Corey Fittoni as well last year. So, I mean, Tucker McCann as of yesterday, being Tuesday, was still getting first team reps with their pump block drills. Um, but yeah, it still likes that, to going kind forward. of a, a, do, a do everything special teams type if uh, if McCann has that double duty. Yeah, I think so. And it's not like he can't handle it. I mean, he's still, it's just adding five snaps game. It's just a mental challenge. Mm-hmm. And if you can tackle that, that's fine. Um, you know, kind of, the Mizzou has also kind of transitioned to practicing kind of half at Faroe Field and then half at the practice fields across Providence Road. Uh, kind of split in time between the two of those places now. Uh, and, then, and at the Faroe Field is actually where they held their scrimmage on Saturday. It was open to the media. Um, and it was kind of a very, in Barry's words, a very vanilla play call. You know, there were some of the veterans that were held out. Albert O, Jonathan Johnson were not playing, but we got to see a lot of the, the second team guys and third team guys really get a chance to shine. And yeah, there's, the, the, I don't know how much we can take from that scrimmage beyond it being overall things that we were already thinking going into fall camp or questions that we've already been answered or have more proof from from the other practices we've already seen so so i want to get to a few of your main takeaways from fall camp not only that scrimmage but uh we've had you out uh every every morning that uh, the mizzou has practice has been open to the media uh eric you've been there yeah i think i'm one of four i counted today that have been at all 11 i think that's the main guy for the big four print outlets yeah out out of the four people who have been at every single one yeah before we get to those takeaways from you, uh, let's just address uh, alcohol sales at Memorial Stadium. I thought uh, we could just address alcohol. I, I'm, I'm down for that. But no, no, no. <laughs> what uh, can we uh, just kind of get, get get ourselves up to speed on uh, what what Mizzou has announced? Certainly, beer and wine. Uh, the the word came out uh, just within the past week uh, that uh, the university will sell that uh, at Faroe Field for home football games this year. Yeah, it came out back in May or June that. The SEC had approved it, and it was up to each member individual school. Some schools immediately came out, um, maybe Alabama being one of them, Auburn being another, that was like, nope, we're still not doing it. Sorry. Just, you got to find the other methods that people do. Not that I've ever done that, but other people that, the other methods to have booze in the stadium. Missouri, it always it almost looked like a matter of t- time, just to, when, not if, they were going to approve it. And when it got approved, what they were approving. So... Last Friday came out that uh, Mizzou will approved beer and wine sales at select uh, concession stands in Furrow Field. When you actually look at it, it's going to be like less than half of the actual stands will sell uh, beer and wine. Uh, and and, and the, the vendors will not venture into the stand. So there, there will be no, I think the term was hawkers. Yeah. There will not, there will not be any hawkers. No one's going to go peanuts. No, 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 like, like if you're at a Royals or Cardinals game, no one coming door to door selling Bud Light or whatever beer and wine they have sales. I don't even know. The, I'm sure because it's through their same provider that's going to be doing those things. Levy. Um, yeah, I don't, Levy, I don't, I don't know. Restaurants. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what type of alcohol contracts they have to what whether it's boulevard or it's budweiser or that, but i don't know that's why, the million dollar question yeah right now. That, that was not released and uh, you know 
what what exactly are they selling? I mean, that's more for the people who are interested. But it was not released whether it was going to be. It was not Anheuser Busch or Budweiser or a local company like Boulevard, which I know a lot of people are up for. Um, I don't know. That was not released, and nor was the wine. But it was also uh, said that there are going to be non alcohol parts of the stadium, like alcohol-free zones as well. There's going to be safe driver programs, and there's going to be, I think it was probably the most notable thing for consumption purposes, two uh, liquor purchases per uh, sale, and then you also have, everything's going to be poured into, I guess, a, a cup that's provided by Levy, so managing in terms of intake how much it's going to be. So yeah, it was kind of the basic thing set up by the SEC is exactly what Missouri followed, is essentially what it was. And the MU Police Department uh, has been behind this effort. Uh, so it's certainly been in, in coordination with the Athletic Department uh, and MUPD. Uh, really something that I think the, the police recognize that this, this actually may uh, eliminate just some of, some of the danger involved with game day uh, alcohol consumption just by kind of doing it this way versus in years past. So that this has the endorsement of, of the local police. Oh, absolutely. And it's weird because I have a little bit of actually experience when it comes to this kind of thing. In a previous life, I was a fraternity president. Uh, there's a chapter, the same chapter at Mizzou. And when I was at at Towson University, Towson changed their alcohol policy when it came to tailgates. And they controlled how much came into a tailgate and how much came out. And believe it or not, less happened with police. And I think that MUPD thinks something similar will have with the stadium um, that I think the policy discourages binge drinking. It discourages basically a lot of the fears when you have to being unruly at a college football game when you can control the atmosphere. You know, yes, there's still going to be the people that get absolutely sloshed at a tailgate and come into the stadium but you know in terms of actually you know in terms of actually making it safer this, this it doesn't seem like it on paper but this could be a move to make for a field actually a little bit safer um and it, it, it's just it's just weird because you would think that this was just a money decision on paper from 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 an athletic department that needs revenue straight up mizzou has been behind funds for the past couple of years but in terms of safety of the fans and then revenue as well as maybe just the icing on the cake, this is a decision that just lines up for Missouri Athletics. I mean, that was kind of the main... I saw some people say that online. It's like, oh, this is just a revenue thing. I, 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 don't, I don't think so. I mean, I think I'd have no problem saying that if it just was and being honest with us, but that's not the case, I don't think, here. Yeah, there, there definitely are, are multiple layers to this, it seems, but uh, but that's the announcement. So, uh, at Faroe Field this season... Uh, there will be yeah. uh, alcoholic beverages available if you are of age. And you're not working, so I can't participate. That's true. I no alcohol we, in the press box. We, we won't get any, but uh, y- you all could if, uh, if you're 21 <laughs> or over. If you're, tw- if you're 21 or over. Yeah, I didn't mention that. I thought that, that, was, I thought that, that, was, that law still applies. That law definitely still applies. It's not like, oh, you're, you're, student at, you're a student at battle and you want to go to the game. No, no, they, they, they will ID you, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, uh, getting, getting into some of your, uh, your fall camp takeaways, uh, uh, what, what, are, what are maybe some of the, the, the top three? Uh, I know we, we had you do a story Sunday, mm-hmm. just uh, three of your top takeaways so far from Mizzou football and fall camp. Uh, maybe you want to rehash those and, and even you could... You could uh, venture into others as well. Yeah. Um, the biggest takeaway this so far in fall camp for me is that the secondary really is a team strength now. Just that group has improved vastly. And I've said this probably on previous radio appearances and podcasts, but it's really true that Missouri's cornerbacks and safeties last year, their problem wasn't that 
um, they were a bad group. It was that they just never played to their potential. They've honed in on that, and they've even improved. So it looks like just they've taken several steps forward, when in actuality, they just have the right mix and the right chemistry and just are a little bit better than last year. They're hitting their potential, and I think that this was definitely an anchor last year on defense. Now it looks like, along with the wide receivers and probably the offensive line, one of the pillars of the team that they might hang their hat on. Um, Another kind of uh, takeaway I had is it's an obvious statement to say, the Kelly Bryant is the most important Missouri Tiger, especially per position. If he gets hurt, you're turning to either Taylor Powell or Lindsey Scott, most likely Taylor Powell. Um, and the gap between whoever you think is the most important Missouri Tiger, which everybody should be saying Kelly Bryant, whoever you rank is number two, that gap is only widening with camp. I don't want to bash any, any players. It's not my job to do that in the media. But Taylor Powell has not had a great camp so far. And that's putting it very, very mildly. Uh, and we haven't seen a lot from Lindsey Scott because he hasn't been going in with the second team on full team drills. He's going in with the third team. Um, you know, he's Kelly Powell is a great quarterback, but is he ready to start at Mizzou when you're facing defenses like Georgia and Florida and Tennessee? No, he's not. He, uh, you know, he can be built up and he has time to get there by the end of the season but he's not going to be there by August 31st. It's just that he's just making too many fixable mistakes that I've seen so far in camp that, 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 you know, Kelly Bryant's just not making Kelly Bryant can't make obviously in terms of arm strength, in terms of being a pocket passer, Taylor Powell is right there with Kelly Bryant, but there's so many intangibles that Kelly has not only just being a mobile quarterback, but his just knowledge of from being in a pistol or a shotgun formation like Derek Dooley is going to have him in is just so advanced. He won a, He's won a national title behind Deshaun Watson. He, he was the starter in 2017 until they lost to Alabama in the college football playoff. And they were the number one team going in before that loss at, uh, in New Orleans, I believe. So although I think that Taylor Powell has a chance going forward as maybe does Lindsey Scott of getting some game action, in the 2020 season, obviously Sean Robbins and the TCU transfer will be back by that point. Maybe they've signed some other wonder kid this, this upcoming year. You never know. Uh, they have Brady Cook from Chaminade coming in, but I can't see him supplanting anybody at this point because he's just so unproven as a Connor Bazelak is right now. Um, I just, you know, it's just Kelly Bryant really is bringing things along. I can't remember a team who made an impact like Missouri has wants to make this year that had such that would have had the uncertainty that they would have had a quarterback without Kelly Bryant. And that's a tough, and that and that is the, it's a tough truth to answer. But based off of the what I've seen so far, if it might not matter if the NCAA appeal gets overturned, if Kelly Bryant gets hurt, game one is out for the year. Yeah, certainly it's it's important to keep him healthy and uh, keep him going strong. Uh, and you know, what's interesting too is to think about the you know, most important player on the team may not always be the same as the most talented. No, I don't think Kelly Bryant's in the top three. To be completely honest with you. I think per position, Kel Garrett is probably more talented. I think no doubt Albert O is more talented. Then you could, there's an argument for other guys. You can make a Jordan Elliott is absolutely up there, or Demarcus AC. I mean, maybe even like a Jonathan Johnson. Um, maybe Trevor Wallace Sims on the offensive line, Tristan Colon Castillo, Larry Roundtree, you know, Tucker McCann, even with a, with a great leg like he has. Kelly is no doubt in that group, but I wouldn't put him number one or probably number two. But in terms of the guy who you most need on the field, it's Kelly, Kelly and then a few football fields, no pun intended, and then whoever you put number two. 
probably Alberto. So another takeaway I recall you you had for your Sunday story just just so much of the goal of camp is, is not only to to kind of be getting ready for the season get get things in order mm-hmm. uh, but just to to stay healthy and Mizzou by and large. Uh, has been able to do that there are there are a few exceptions and and there have been a couple scares uh but where where is uh where's the team at health-wise so yeah we'll get a major update tomorrow i'm obviously there's some guys in red i don't want want to speculate or put anything out there right now but there are some minor nicks and knacks i don't think there's anything that would keep anyone out of the wyoming game especially that's a major player that's out there right now um you know barry's kind of wanted to you know, say less about that. And obviously, as we get deeper into the season, less and less will be made. You know, it's the old adage that once you get to the NBA, NHL playoffs, it's a it's a upper body injury or which could mean anything <laughs> or he's he's just he's just day to day, you know, or we'll find out later. I think more and more of that will come along as the uh, season goes along. But as of right now, I mean, yes, there was a tiny bit of a scare when it comes to some of the players, but I would not be worried about any of the above. I mean, you would. I think that even though Missouri wants to limit kind of the information getting out, there'd be a lot of body language and a lot of clues you could get from what they don't say. And I don't see any panic. I don't see any just you know distrust or anything like that. Same thinking that this team couldn't be at a hundred percent when they go to Wyoming. And out of all the times to be precautionary about just maybe it's right giving now. a guy yeah. a day or giving a guy just you know two or three days even now is the time for that versus when you get in more of the meat of uh, of the SEC schedule especially for sure absolutely yeah I'm looking down kind of the list of things we needed to talk about here um, yeah kind of the other big hoopla that was made over the past week at SEC practice was actually right after we recorded this interview last Wednesday someone at Clemson practice asked Dabo Sweeney like if if Kelly Bryant was going to get a national championship ring for a Clemson season last year. And Dabo, who had always said great things and positive things about Kelly since he transferred Missouri, was like, nope, he's not getting one. He wasn't a part of the team, is essentially what he said. He said it a little bit nicer than that, but the answer was defiantly no. So much was kind of made out there about whether Kelly Bryant deserves it, whether he doesn't. And Kelly, one of the people who didn't care the most was Kelly Bryant. We asked him, and he was like, "A ring's a ring. I already got my 16 ring, and that, and that's I, I proudly have that." But he basically was like, "I'm focused on getting a Missouri championship ring." And while I think that that's obviously far off, especially from a team like Clemson, but you know, it, it just that was kind of the other major national hoopla that got made from Missouri camp over the past week. Yeah, Ke- Kelly really did seem to downplay that, at, at least in what he stated. Um, now, I guess the case for or case against Kelly Bryant was was a player who contributed to that Clemson national title just early on in that yeah. season, oh, yeah. and he was a player that contributed. I mean, yeah, I mean, I remember watching them go to College Station and play Texas A and M. They lose that game without Kelly Bryant leading them down the field. Yes, they probably lose to I think it was Syracuse in their ACC opener if. Trevor Lawrence doesn't come in for Kelly Bryant in that game, uh, yeah. or whoever the third quarterback was. Maybe Kelly Bryant got injured, but to say that Kelly Bryant didn't have an impact on Clemson season last year is foolish. So uh, Bryant, he, he played four games, played in four games for Clemson because the new redshirt rule. And then once Dabo named Trevor Lawrence the permanent starter, that's when Kelly said, "All right, I'll use my final year of eligibility elsewhere." Yeah, yeah, that's that's how it went down. And obviously, Clemson did just fine without him. It's not like they're missing him. I mean, they have probably the highest-rated quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck, if not John Elway. 
It, yeah, it, you know. uh, it certainly still worked out well for Clemson and now for <laughs> Missouri as well. Yeah, uh, yes, absolutely. And Kelly Bryant is no slouch. You know, and I think that he has just has so much bigger goals than a piece of jewelry, even if it is a nicer piece of jewelry than most of us will ever see. But uh, yeah, um, kind of. The, I wanted to give a little bit of an update on position battles and kind of the things we've seen from camp. Uh, we still have not had the an updated depth chart, which I don't expect until the end of camp, which would be more than a month after we got the first fall depth chart, because the, the one they gave us on August 2nd, uh, first day of fall camp, was the exact same one they gave the media in attendance the first day of SEC Media Days on July 15th in Hoover, Alabama. So we've seen some shuffling pieces, obviously, but there's no incredibly clear indication of where anything truly stands. Yes, you can make a guess that at one of the true position battles entering camp at defensive tackle, the Kobe Whiteside probably has an advantage over Akil Byers because Akil Byers is one of the players early on in camp who kind of had a minor you know injury here and there. But to be honest, there's a lot that's still for grabs. You know, and, and, and I look at a position like wide receiver at that basically as the example. You have, I think I counted eight or nine guys who could start somewhere at the Division One level that Missouri has on their roster right now. And yes, it was listed as Jonathan Johnson, Jonathan Nance, and Jalen Knox, the three J's, as the starters back then. But you look at a Cam Scott. I mean, Alex Afadale's had a great camp. You look at Barrett Bannister, who's had a great camp. I mean, Michael Wilson's impressed some people. And there's other people out there, and I'm forgetting their names. Oh, yeah, the freshman, C.J. Boone's had a great camp. Maurice Massey has turned a ton of heads. Justin Smith, who's 6'8", as a wide receiver, hasn't played a lot as a Mizzou guy, but has done a little bit in camp. You know, that Some of those things are still kind of an unknown. I think that's a good thing for Mizzou. And I think that that's one of those things that come next Tuesday – will be a little bit more clear. That that has gotten less murky by maybe 1% since the start of camp, but it'll be way more than that come next Tuesday. Yeah, that's kind of where we're at. N- news on Emmanuel Hall, uh, former Mizzou standout. Uh, he went undrafted, uh, but then uh, was signed as an undrafted free agent by the uh, Chicago Bears. Uh, he went through camp and he was dealing with an injury uh, based on reports and uh, just so happened that the, the Bears released him this week. So now he is he yesterday, is, I believe. Yeah, he is. Uh, he is back looking for a, a team. But uh, I mean, what, do you have any insight into that situation? Just um, what you've seen, what you've heard about uh, his status? Certainly he was a fan favorite during his time in Columbia. Yeah, I think that. Uh from what we heard from Bears camp and what the reporters tweeted out, they said it was a numbers thing. But Emmanuel Hall really had never been healthy. You know, he's, he's just had the injury bug ever since last year and just hasn't been able to shake it for whatever reason. Uh, it's been a few different injuries, but he's always kind of been banged up. Um, there was a good chance he made... Okay, let me back it up even further than that. It was a really big surprise when he did not get drafted. Mm-hmm. He was looked as like kind of a third rounder um, in terms of potential, and that just didn't go. And after the draft it was seen like that there were more injury concerns than anyone ever let on but the bears like gave him a pretty hefty nice signing contract bonus that they usually don't give to undrafted rookies to make sure Emmanuel Hall was in camp and then it looked like it was going to come down to I forget his name but there's seventh round wide receiver draft pick from last year and Emmanuel Hall battling for one spot Emmanuel Hall's gone now uh he didn't play in their one preseason game against uh the Panthers and yeah, it just it just never got off the ground running. I think that by releasing him this early, though, he can be picked up by another team. Mm-hmm. 
and still have a chance to make an NFL roster. I think it's more likely he's on a practice squad come the first week of the NFL season, but I mean, it's not dead in the water that he's not going to make an NFL team. But chances aren't likely because the best chance came with the Bears, obviously, as a team who signed him. But yeah, that, that's a that's a tough setback. But certainly for Emmanuel, guy we uh, we all root for here in uh, in these parts and wish him the best. Yeah, yeah, that was that was interesting. I mean, you haven't heard much about any other guys. I mean, Demaria Crockett's doing well with the Texans. Uh, uh, I mean, obviously Drew Locke has played for the Broncos. You have Terry Beckner down with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and a few other guys trying to pick on with a couple other teams. But yeah, that was kind of the one big one that has happened for a Mizzou grad re- uh, or recent Mizzou grad recently. Uh, and then keeping updated with some recruiting news um, coming out of Columbia. Uh, the Tolton offensive tackle Monroe Mills uh, did not choose Mizzou. Uh, he is going to Oklahoma State. Uh, you know, offensive line is one of the positions that M- Mizzou had recruited pretty heavily as a part of this class. Losing him is not that big of a setback for this recruiting class. Obviously, if you after you pick up a guy like Jalen St. John uh, from East St. Louis, so yeah. You know, wish the best of Monroe Mills, the Tolton, the Tolton offensive uh, lineman, would have been a good addition from, especially as a kid from this city. But you're not going to win everyone. Uh, yeah, that's and then obviously, but but Mizzou then did pick up uh, one recruit yesterday to add to their recruiting class from Lexington, Mississippi, uh, Montra Edwards Jr. Ranked as a three-star defensive tackle. It was the first one they've had in this class, the 14th overall. Uh, pickup from Mizzou uh, I think the fourth on the defensive line um, along with Kavon Billingsley Cooper Davis and a kid that I cannot remember off the top of my head um somebody else that I cannot remember off the top of my head it's gonna bother me but anyway uh his commitment brings Mizzou's recruiting class to 35th. They jumped up a few spots, 35th nationally, including the, the 20-7 sports composite. But oddly enough, Mizzou is still 12th in the SEC, slightly trailing Tennessee. <laughs> 35th in the country, but only 12th in the SEC. I think they're better than Arkansas and Vanderbilt are the two. Okay. So, yeah, that's kind of Kentucky's ahead of them, and the entire SEC West is ahead of them. That tells you something about the SEC right there. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, that kind of wraps it up for football stuff. I'm looking through the notes of all, everything I needed. Everything else is not football stuff that we needed. Maybe you want to touch on some, uh, we wrote about it yesterday, maybe some Mizzou soccer if you want to. Yeah, so Mizzou soccer is in the, in the midst of preseason. Got a couple of uh, preseason uh, matches that they're doing on the road. And then their, uh, their home openers is coming Thursday evening. Uh, not not tomorrow being Thursday. Not 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 tomorrow, week, but uh, but it'll be what eight days from today. today eight days being from today, Wednesday, August fourteenth. I think it's Southern Miss they're playing at yeah, home. So, uh, yeah, so that uh, that opener's coming up. Uh, we will certainly have uh, have coverage from that match. Uh, and just was announced uh, this week that uh, that Mizzou soccer is picked tenth. Tenth in yeah. the SEC this season. Yeah, tenth in the SEC last season, and that's exactly where they finished last year. They were the Worst team to make the SEC tournament, but they did advance to the postseason tournament as only the top 10, I think, in the SEC do. Uh, yeah, Mizzou was picked 10th. Uh, they got most of their roster back from last year. Uh, Texas A&M was picked to win the conference, followed by, I believe, South Carolina in second place, then Vanderbilt in third. Uh, so, yeah, that season starts soon. So, that'll be uh, that'll be Thursday, August 22nd, mm-hmm. 7 o'clock, uh, home match to open the season against Southern Miss. 
There you go. Yeah. Good memory, Eric. All right. Uh, and then, obviously, volleyball also starts soon. Uh, they have the black and gold match coming up this Friday. Uh, two days from now. Two days yeah. from now. Uh, the first national poll was released for NCAA Volleyball. Mizzou is ranked 26th in the country. So, they're the best team in the country who isn't ranked. <laughs> uh, there were 20, 20 points in the poll behind uh, Louisville, who is in uh, 25th place. So yeah, you, but, you get off to a decent start there, and you got a you got a Mizzou volleyball program in the top twenty five. Yeah, um, there were three teams. In the, uh, Mizzou, I think, was picked fourth in the preseason tournament. When the, were sorry in the preseason poll, and the three teams ahead of them were all ranked. Kentucky being the highest, I think they were seventh in the country. Yeah, looking throughout everything else we need, and I think that's kind of it. Yeah, that's kinda, that, that kind of wraps that up rounds us out. I think rounds us rounds us out for this week. So yeah, kind of a. Another catch-up episode, but yeah, do you want to plug a little bit more of our stuff before we uh, head out here, Kevin? <laughs> well, we, we started with the plug on the special section. And let's so end I, with the plug. I will, uh, I will spare us from uh, from going through all that again, all but right. uh, August 28th, 1st and 10 uh, in the Columbia Tribune with all of the, uh, the football preview coverage uh, from Mizzou and also, like we said, the Boone County High Schools. Uh, and in the days leading up to that, uh, coverage from fall camp and uh, what, Mizzou soccer, Mizzou volleyball as we really get the fall season going here. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we need while we have everybody's attention here, but uh, I can't really think of anything else. <laughs> we might lose it soon if we don't. Yeah, uh, uh, obviously this is um, one of the podcasts that, you know, obviously we're, you know, two podcasts away from doing the in-season one. You know, in two weeks, it's really, it's where it's going to pick up. Where are we going to have um, a Wyoming beat writer on the podcast and then do a separate one in two weeks where we kind of release all of our predictions for the 2019 season, Kevin yeah. and I. And yeah, next week's kind of the one that we're going to still try and do an off-season podcast next Wednesday. Hope to get a good uh, guest on, and we'll, uh, yeah. we'll we'll see what we can do with that. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening this week. Why don't you hit us with this outro, Kevin? All right. For the Mizzou Sports Podcast. Until next time. going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.